Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. So, you know, you have some dads that are not present. That's provoking them to wrath. In our culture right here where we live, there's a, so many situations where people have had kids that are weren't in marriages. And so kids are growing up and their dad's just not present at all in their life. Dad's not available. Dad's not present. So that's provoking a kid to wrath and anger and everything else. If you had kids before you got saved, if you had kids out of wedlock, you can't go back and undo it, but you can be there for them. Today, Pastor Bill says there is a right way to have a Christian family. But even if that's not your story, you can still create it for your children. The most important responsibility parents have to their children is not to provoke them. You may not even know when you do it, or maybe it's a result of you not being around enough. If that's you, then you can repair that damage today by making the decision to be present for your children starting today and committing to it again every day to show them your commitment. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians chapter 3 as he continues his message, The Christian Family. How many guys would agree that some people are easier to love? There are, there are some people that are just easy to love. It's like, man, just, and then there's some people that are more difficult to love. So if you're out with somebody you're like, man, I, it's a real struggle. I don't even, I don't, I don't like them half the time and I don't love them less of the time. Then maybe, may not be a good time to pursue anything more with that person. Can you walk in this kind of divine love towards this person? You should be able to provide that. So next, what generally will result, not always, but majority of the time, what will result from a marriage of a husband and wife, eventually they're going to result children. And so God says, I got some instruction for Christian children. So how many of you here are Christian children that are still living under your parents' household right now? Right by show of hands. Christian children that are living under mom and dad's. All right. So these would be the rules for you. This would change if you grow up, move out as an adult and you're on your own, but as a child under mom and dad's household, under their order, God says, Hey, I got rules for children, Christian children, children. It says, obey your parents in, in all things for this is well pleasing to the Lord. So God says for a Christian, a child that's a Christian, you should obey your parents in the Lord. It says, because this pleases God. Now, once again, for children, I've asked some of them, so what are the, what are the challenges to this and, and whatnot? And so, you know, there may be Christian children that got parents that are not living up to par. One of the great frustrations I've heard in, in the years I did youth ministry was Christian kids whose parents wanted them to live at this level up here while they're watching their mom and dad live at this level down here. And it's like, you're, you're expecting perfection from me while you're not even living at the level of what you are expecting from me. And it's frustrating for kids. But God says, children, I want you to obey them. Obeying them is part of your relationship with the Lord as a Christian child. You don't obey your parents because they're right about everything, because they know everything. You obey them as a Christian because God told you to. The same limitation to submitting or obeying parents as submitting to the husband for the wife is you would obey your parents unless they commanded you to do something that God's told you not to do or, or something that would you know cause you to be in disobedience to the Lord. But in general, children are Christian children should obey their parents. God said this is the one command that he gave that had the promise in Ephesians 6, 4. He says that, you know, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right 
That's the first commandment with a promise. And it says, if you do this, that that your days will be long on the earth in which you live. And so in general, he said, you're going to live longer as you obey your parents. But the main reason why Christian children are to obey their parents is because it's part of worship. It's part of obeying God. Here's the thing. God puts children in families. That's the first structure and order that you have. It's, it's uh, the husband represents Christ, uh, Christ. The mom represents the church. The children are, are being raised up in that environment. A child that can't submit to and obey mom and dad, in general, these are going to be kids that are going to struggle to submit to and obey the Lord. So when God tells parents to train them up in the way they should go, one of the reasons why we give rules and we give discipline to our children, we're directing them, is because we're training them up in the way they should go. Are your kids going to be able to do whatever they want to do? With nowhere, right? There's nowhere in the world that's going to let your kid just do whatever they want. School won't let them do it. When they get to go to work, won't let them do it. If they have a relationship with God, does God let us do whatever we want to do? No. So when the Bible tells parents, train them up in the way they should go. That means I got to give you some rules and I got to hold you accountable to those rules. I can't let you just go buck wild because this won't help you walk with Jesus one day. It's why we discipline our kids, because does God discipline us? Right. So I don't want my kid to grow up and God spank them. They're like, I can't believe you spanked me. God, I hate you. You know, I want my kid to be like, I I knew that was coming. Yeah, I grew up. My, My dad, I prepared them for that. You disobey, you, you, you're going to see the man and it's going to be unpleasant, but it's going to be for your benefit. And uh, that's training them up in the way they should go. So parents have their part, but children obey your parents. There's some rebellious kids out there and understand if you get good at rebelling against your parents, probably you're, you're trained, you're practicing rebellion. It'll result in continued rebellion against the Lord. Where does that end? Now, it doesn't end good for you. If you can rebel against God and die, you go to hell when you're done. Amen. So children, obey your parents in the Christian family unit is the way God would have it, that the husband under Christ would lead. The mom and dad would would be unified over the children. The children would be in submission to the parents. That's the family structure where God says, I am glorified in this structure. I'm the Lord of the family unit this way. Christ is the head, the husband under Christ. Wife submitted to husband, mom and dad over the children, leading them, loving them, teaching them, training them, children in submission to mom and dad. That's the family unit, the way that God intended and desires. So children are to obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing. And then verse 21, it says specifically to the fathers, which is interesting, but it says, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And another place is father, don't provoke them to wrath. But here it says, fathers, don't provoke your children. At least they become discouraged. So what does that mean? What is, how does a father provoke his children? One way that I've seen this defined is it's just a, it's a constant nagging of a father, not giving their approval, not just, you know, there's some fathers where a kid can never, you can never be good enough. Um, only negative, you know, never uplifting, never building them up, never just always down, 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 down. God says, don't do that. You'll discourage them. Don't provoke them like that. Another thing that can, these other things that can provoke children is, you know, again, having unrealistic expectations of them. I've seen dads who they have sports dreams for their own, for their kids. And they put their kids in the sports that they failed at, you know, or that they played back in the day. And they, they're trying to make this kid. And it's like, the kid don't have the build for this, you know. I remember when BJ was little, he wanted to do all, he wanted to try everything. He wanted to go wrestle. So I put him in a gym 
where it was a wrestling gym and he would go to the gym for the wrestling class. And now if you wanted to be there, it was fun because you're going to wrestle with kids and smush faces and crank necks and, and all this kind of stuff. But there would literally be kids there that didn't want to wrestle. They walked in crying. And I don't want to do it, dad. And dad's bringing them in there. And then, then they're getting put on the mat. Then they got to wrestle with a kid that wants to do it. So you got a kid that doesn't want to do it. He's just a limp body crying. <laughs> and he's got some kid that's like crank, you know, slam, smush, you know, just beating him up. And I'm like, this is like child abuse. You know, like this is wrong. I would guess that kid probably hates his dad. Like, dad, why are you making me do this? And some of the things that dads could do is just trying to live their dreams through their kids, unrealistic expectations, hypocrisy, having double standards, favoritism in the home, favoring, you know, a kid above another kid. All these are things that could provoke a child to be in discouraged from the person that God put to be the encouragement. Now, he says it specifically to the dads because dads are typically more harsh in the homes. Moms in general, I know there's some tough moms out there, but in general, moms are kind of moms can be suckers. Not all moms are suckers, but moms can be moms tend to be a little softer than dads in general. And so God directs this to the dad. He said, dads, don't provoke them. Don't provoke and discourage your kids. So maybe you're a Christian dad and you got some imperfect kids just like you. Take that into consideration. Be gracious in how you minister, because to me, the dad in the home has always got to consider I rep, I'm trying to represent Jesus. I'm always going to fall short of that. But that's what I'm that's the aim. So my treatment to my wife, I'm trying to represent Jesus and the way I deal with my kids. I'm trying to represent Jesus when you're wrong. Dads, you should acknowledge that you're wrong. Right. It shouldn't be hard for you as a man, as a dad to say to your kids, hey, guys, I'm sorry, I did. I messed up yesterday. Forgive me for that and move on from there, right? You should be able to humble yourself and do that. You should be able to acknowledge when you're wrong. You should be able to apologize when you're wrong because we have a very important role. Our kids do look to us. They look to you for leadership. They look for you for affirmation. They, you're mad. Your kids are looking at you. I, everything my kids have ever done, any sport, anytime they do something special, you know what they do right away? They look over to see if you, did you see when I did that? And then they want to know, did you see it? Because they want to hear from you about it. They Kids want that from dad. And so, you know, you have some dads that are not present. That's provoking them to wrath. In our culture right here where we live, there's a, so many situations where people have had kids that weren't in marriages. And so kids are growing up and their dad's just not present at all in their life. Dad's not available. Dad's not present. So that's provoking a kid to wrath and anger and everything else. If you had kids before you got saved, if you had kids out of wedlock, you can't go back and undo it, but you can be there for them. You can make sure those kids have the best case scenario now with you. But don't be absent with your kids. Be present. God puts you in their life with a divine purpose. There's some things that you're supposed to provide for them. And there's a balance that you bring. I realize with me and my wife, there's a balance we bring in parenting. I want to say this. I don't say this to down any single parents. If that's your situation, but in the normal scheme of things, there should be a husband and a wife before there are kids. I messed up. I didn't before I got saved. I had a kid out of wedlock. I had to make the best of that situation. That was not the best situation. The best situation is a husband and a wife and then kids. 
Then you bring kids and then mom and dad, you guys do it together. And there's some teamwork and some unity in raising these kids. Very, very difficult for one person to provide that balance. My wife can never be what I am to my kids and I can't be what she is to my kids. I often watch the stuff they got from her and think, but if they only had that and they didn't have this other half, it could be there are places where it could be bad. And if they only had me. And they didn't have mom to, with the other touch. They, my kids would all be dumb. Like, I, I, she does all the educational stuff. She does all the, you know, she, there's a balance that we both bring to the kids, spiritually speaking, discipline wise, all of that. Where it's like, man, if it was just one of us, it wouldn't be the same. Again, I don't say this to put down any that are already in that situation. You'd make the best of the situation that you're in. But for you guys that are single yet. Make sure you get married. Don't have sex out of marriage that you may surround and have kids before you get married. Save all that for marriage. Then bring in some kids with a right situation with a Christian man and a Christian woman that are going to raise these kids in the ways of the Lord. It says this in Deuteronomy 6. When you think of, you know, when God blesses a, a couple with kids, like what are they supposed to do? What's the main objective uh, with their kids? And something God said to Israel if you're writing notes, you can write down Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six to nine. God said this. He says, and these words, which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And as God was commanding Israel and remind them of what he had done, he says, when you guys have children, I want you guys to talk about me all day. When you walk by the way, I want you to tell them about me. I want you to tell them about my faithfulness. I want you to tell them about what I did over there. When you guys sit down, when you rise up, when you walk about the way. Number one job of a parent is to bring your kid to Christ. And lead them to the Lord. That is every parent. Number one objective in parenting It's not to get them a good education. It's not so they can make a lot of money. It's not so they can be successful in life. Your kids are eternal beings with body, soul and spirit. And your number one objective, the number one job, the main thing we want to see first and foremost, above everything else, we want to see our kids know Christ. That's how we're praying. That's how we're leading. That's the, that's why we want to be a solid example. That's the number one thing. Everything else will fall in place after that. But that's number one. And so um, with that in mind, then the household that they're growing up in, we want it to be a solid place. Dads provide a solid place. Love their mom. Love their mom. Let her be secure in her love. Don't be fighting all the time in your marriage. As much as you can, have a house that's got the shalom of God because it's being led by a man that's yielded to the Lord. Moms. As you submit to your husband as unto the Lord and, and you yield to his leadership and you guys are a team and you guys lead the kids together and provide that, that covering for your kids where they're not seeing you guys fight all the time, wondering if you guys are going to make it or stay together and hearing stuff from the room that, you know, the kids are just secure in the fact that my mom and dad love the Lord and they love us and they're going to be together. Provide that for them. And then you kids, because you guys be special. You kids can kids can bring the drama too. obey your parents. Stop being rebellious. Realize that if for your relationship with the Lord, God loves you and God calls you to submit to them, to obey your parents, to be yielded to them. It's for your own good. And as much as we can think that we know as kids, because I did this as a teenager, I, I was certain that I knew more than both my parents. And I wasn't growing up in a Christian home or background, but I was certain that they just didn't know some of the stuff I knew because I was just that slick. I thought. 
And if I could roll tape back, I, I kid you not, everything that my mom, and my mom was not saved, my mom was not walking with God, but everything my mom told me not to do that I did cost me everything. Everything, if I look back and my mom's like, don't do that, Billy. Billy, don't do that. I don't think you should do that. That's wrong. And I would be like, I blow her off. I, I throw her own dirt in her face or whatever. Everything that I did in rebellion cost me every single time. I look back and I'm like, man, if I had, if I had just, if there's three things that I have, I had listened to, my life would be changed. Three things. Um, and, you know, I can't go back and fix those three things, but I acknowledge it now. You know what? They were right. My mom was right. I was wrong. So I'm encouraging you guys, you children, obey your parents as believers that God might be honored. And so as we wrap this up, a few things I want to say about the Christian family unit, because I believe it's under attack in our society, and our world for a lot of different reasons. Christians, we got to be clear on these things. I believe that Christian families, we want to be a good witness. You're, if you're a Christian marriage today, hopefully as you do it God's way, your marriage can be a light your marriage has the potential to be a witness to others of what could be. And so in a world where stuff's broken and falling apart, your marriage can be a witness of what God is doing. Because how do, how do people stay together? You know, I've been asking that question every time I meet couples that have been married 40 plus years. And I'm like, OK, how? What, you know, what do you guys got to do? There's one thing that I've heard over and over and over and over again is this. You got to get good at forgiving. You got to get good because when two imperfect people stay together, that means think of how many times you got to forgive that person over a lifetime over and over and over and over again. You got to forgive them. And that's one of the things that will be required. When you see couples break up, somebody said, that's it. I'm not forgiving them again. It got on my nerves for the last time. I'm ending it. Somebody ran out of patience, ran out of forgiveness. But in the Christian home, there should be forgiveness because what does God keep forgiving us? How many of us should have run out already? Some of y'all should have ran out 10 years ago and y'all still running up the tab. And so, so don't get married and then have limits. I'm, I'm not, you, you're not going to talk to me like that. Not one more time. You can't do that. All the forgiveness you done used up and received. And so the Christian home, again, has the potential to be a great witness if we do it right, if we honor God in it. And so I do want to encourage our married couples. We love you guys. Marriage is important to us here. That's why we do the monthly gathering. We get together. One of our couples here, Curtis and Dinah, they started a marriage podcast and they've been putting out stuff. They got a couple of episodes out. So we'll, we, we want to post those out. We want to do whatever we can put out or promote or direct you guys that will strengthen and help in marriages. We want to encourage you guys to sow those things in. If you are ever in trouble as a couple, if you ever say, you know what, we need some counseling. We provide marriage counseling. It is free of charge. It doesn't cost anything. You can call the church phone or text and say, hey, I'd like to meet with someone. We're having a rough time or we need some counsel. We need to work through some things. You guys reach out. We're available for that. We want to help you through whatever you're going through. Don't call me after the divorce court paper when you already didn't got the paperwork. Don't call me then. Call me when they're getting on your nerves. Call me when it's getting difficult. You know, some people wait till the everything is all done. And it's like, yeah, we're just waiting on the paperwork to come through. But, you know, we, we thought we might call. Well, now, you know, call as soon as possible. If it's difficult, call now. That's to my, my married people. We love you guys. We want to encourage you in your marriages. To the singles here. I have a certain perspective on singleness. This is for singles. That if you're single and... and content to be some people have the gift of singleness and if you have the gift of singleness that means that you're single and you're content to stay that way 
If that's you, God bless you. It is, I mean, and, and you should be serving God with your singleness in some way. If you're single, however, and you're like, man, I don't desire to stay single. I want to be married. I desire to be married one day. My encouragement to you guys is a few things. One, that you would wait on the Lord for qualified persons. I think it gets discouraging. I've talked to single people that are discouraged. It's taking too long. They're not meeting the right people. All the people that are, it's not all lining up just yet. But I promise you this, because I have seen enough people that rushed out in front of God and went and found them a jailmate or, or cellmate or whatever. They went, you, you can get online and find you something today if you want to. But I just, my encouragement to you guys is that you would wait on God for someone that is qualified. Don't become impatient and settle for something that's less than God's will for your life. And so that's the first thing. So if you're single and you're, you're waiting on God, wait on God to provide that for you. If you're single and it's, it's a strong desire, you really desire to be married. Maybe some of you are single, but you're, you're with someone, you're seeing someone. I don't recommend lengthy engagements. I think lengthy engagements lend themselves to sin. Some people do okay. Some people are able to be engaged for a long time. But here's what I have found. In general, these are generalities. When I find that there's a single guy and a single girl, but they're coming together and they're planning to get married and it's, there's no sex happening. We're walking in purity in Jesus. I find a very motivated guy, usually. Usually there's a guy that's like, I got to figure out how to get a ring. And, and, you know, he's like, he's, he's trying to get to the altar yesterday. You know, when I see a guy that's like, yeah, you know, like, no, oh, maybe about two, three years, you know, we'll see about it. Usually that means that they're already having sex. So for those that are single, not married yet, waiting on the Lord, don't let a season of singleness be a season of rebellion to God. If you're living in fornication with someone, that is a season of rebellion against God. That is not how you prepare for marriage. You're going to come into a marriage as a Christian where you're going to submit to God and do what God says. You want to submit to God in your singleness as this is how you prepare for marriage because this is how it's going to work, right? Maybe now that you're single and you got to abstain from doing certain things um, because you're not married yet and it's not right to do. When you get married, you can only do that with them. And so you'll be abstaining from everybody else. You'll still be exercising restraint and self-control. And so in singleness is where you demonstrate that, where you grow in that. And so don't let singleness be an error of rebellion and sin until, because it, it may leave you disqualified for some really wonderful person that God would bring. Walk in your purity um, as you wait on the Lord to provide you someone. And lastly, to my single friends, because we love you guys. If you do meet someone and you're like, hey, I mean, bring them. Let, we'd love to meet them. I'd love to. I'll, I'll give you my 10 cent. If you meet someone and you're interested in marriage, you want to sit down and have a talk. Myself or Pastor Anthony, I'm sure we'll be happy to sit down and talk with you couples and try to get you guys started on the right path. We also do premarital counseling free of charge. We do weddings free of charge. So anything you need, we got for you. As you just, just let us know what you need. We got you. We don't want to buy out there struggling unnecessarily. So with that, I want to pray for us. Marriage is important. Family is important. It is a foundation of society. It is created by God. It's under attack in our world. And we need to continue to see it God's way and do it God's way. That God would be glorified through it. So, Father, we thank you for your word this morning. 
We thank you for the blessing of marriage and relationship and children and families. And God, I pray this morning. I pray for everyone here. God, there are those that are here that are already in marriages with families and children. God, help us to honor you in our marriages. Help us to honor you in uh, how we're dealing with our children. God, I pray for the husbands that we could receive what you spoke to us today. How that we need to love our wives, Lord. I pray for the wives that they could they could yield today to what you share with them about submitting to their husbands, to the children that they would they would take hold of the exhortation, Lord, the command to obey their parents, and that God the fathers would not provoke our children and leave them discouraged, but that God we would be those that are building them up and encouraging them in you. Help us, Lord. Help us to do family right. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. Do you wish sometimes that it wasn't so hard to do what needed to be done, especially with a good attitude? I sure do. The Apostle Paul was a great example of this. As we see in this verse he included in his letter to the church in Colossae, listen to Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So often we forget it's Jesus who has given us a redeemed life, a life that's been forgiven of our sins. If we believe this to be true, then everything we do should be like sending a thank you card to Jesus. We may not always do a great job, but it's a good reminder. Friends, what we say and what we do matters. Not only that, but how it's done is important. Do you like the message that you just heard? Great. We're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is a product of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have extra time and are close, we would be overjoyed for you to attend one of our services, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., or if there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that we've ministered to your heart and you feel a little more loved. We look forward to our next time together on A Transforming Word.